welcome to Dating What Went Wrong. I am your host, Rob Scow, the expert at failing at relationships. This is the show where we talk about dating questions and figure out what the hell went wrong. Today's topic is something that I am really excited about, and that is trying to figure out, well, let me back this up. So in a relationship, you know, we've, we've all heard the thing of, it's not you, it's me. But what happens when it's not you or me? My first girlfriend was a lesbian. I didn't know this at the time. And I spent years after the relationship thinking I screwed it up. And in the end, even if I was the best boyfriend ever, there was literally nothing I could have done to make it work. So I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to figure out, you know, the story behind it, where she was at, and explain where I was at. And so I have asked my first high school girlfriend, Allie Johnson, to come on the show and chat about it. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my first guest. Allie Johnson is a radio host. She's an actress. She's a voiceover artist. She's a comedian. And she's even a TV show creator. Allie Johnson, it's great to have you on the show. I'm happy to be there. I, I had no idea that I was your first girlfriend. That's new information <laughs> for me. So. And then I already have a question for you. How long until you had your next girlfriend? Ooh. It was, it was a really long time. It was, uh, <laughs> I mean, when we get into the story, we're going to like get into yeah. how, how, you know, entry level of girlfriend, boyfriend we really were. So really it was, um, post-college when, uh, when I'd really dive into that again. Yeah. Well, so. you know, that's, that, that's what we're all here to figure out. Right. And, <laughs> and to, to break down, I'm happy to be here. And I know that your memory of it is different than mine, so I'm eager to <laughs> fill in the blanks. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm excited to start off this story. Um, but um, I, my first question actually for you is, um, when did you know that you were a lesbian? I knew I was a lesbian when I started. Well, I mean, if you really, really back it up to eight years old when I wanted to spend my allowance on a tuxedo. That was probably sign number one, though I didn't really understand what that meant. The time that I really knew I was into ladies was when I fell in love with my high school best friend, and her name was Danielle. And I was actually dating a guy at the time named Sean, and he was on the baseball team. He was you know, a great boyfriend and all of the bells and whistles that you would want on a nice tall drink of water, so to speak. And I found myself ditching plans with him to hang out with her. And I, then we got really drunk one night, we made out. And that was when I was like, all right, I'm all in. Yes, this is what I want. And then of course she, she completely shut me down and, and then ended up having sex with one of my other ex-boyfriends. So that oh, wow. was crappy, but that's when I really realized I was into girls and that kind of opened the floodgates. And um, I, I had dated a couple of guys after that, but once I hit college, it was kind of all, all gals all the time. That's a really interesting realization. And it actually brings me into one of uh, my questions about this is, is this idea that was it ever confusing to you to think like, man, this guy is everything that I'm supposed to want. Like what's wrong with me? You know, like, 
that sort of thing. I didn't necessarily think there was something. I, I mean, I, I guess in a way, subconsciously, I probably did. I didn't consciously think that there was something wrong with me. Okay. That, I mean, I that's, wasn't, that's great. I, I just didn't think that much at all. Oh. In, in, in high school, I was just kind of going with my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I did wonder and I battled with why aren't I more interested in this guy? He's yeah. such a nice guy. He went on to join the Peace Corps and now he's married with like Bulgarian triplet, triplets that he adopted. And he's just like the nicest guy. Yeah. And, you know, he looked model. Like he's just a really great guy. And, you know, he really liked me and we liked being with each other but i i was like i i I, when i realized i if i can't be with this guy then i really don't like guys um that's that's a great realization so that was kind of when i realized it it wasn't really something that i wanted to pursue anymore but i didn't necessarily think oh this is bad there's something wrong with me i had more of those feelings when i was much younger that when i didn't understand interesting those feelings yeah, because I was thinking about that, like, just for, for me, and that, like, if, if, if I was pressured by society with this idea that, that gay is the societal norm, if everyone said, oh, yeah, men date men, that's just how it is. When you grow up, you marry a man. That's what men do. Then I think I would be very confused as, as, a, as a kid. I would think that, like, man, there's something really, truly, epically wrong with me. I'm, I'm not right because I, I can't stop thinking about women. And so that was kind of where that, that kind of question came from, is it, is it go the other way for you, you know, trying to, trying to learn this at a young age, because no one says, here, here are the, you know, here's the, um, what are the, the flow chart of like, <laughs> oh, you're not into this, you must be this. That's flowing off the chart. There's a different part of it <laughs> that I have not accessed. Yeah, uh, for me personally, there were those feelings when I was a kid, which were, I want to play with GI Joes and everyone else wants to play with Barbies. I don't understand why I'm different, but I knew I was different. And I even had friends when I was little, little, like six to eight years old that we would like pretend to get married to each other. That's not maybe typical. I -hmm. thought and knew that it was something that I needed to not tell my parents or that I needed to hide. So the fact that I felt that and knew that at such a young age, it's because I had already been trained that men and women are supposed to be together. I've probably seen that in movies or I saw that in my parents or whatever. So once I got a little older, I had learned to kind of just shove that into the back of my mind and to just go on with what I thought was supposed to, what I was supposed to be doing, what was normal. And then it came up later when I was a teenager coming of age and figuring out what I actually was interested in. And it was like, oh, that's what that was. Hmm. That's really great. Um, so I want to introduce our other guest. So we have a, a second special guest today, and that is Allie's wife, Katie Farron. She is an associate marriage and family therapist, and she is on the show today. Katie, it's great to have you. Thank you. I am happy to be here. There's already so much uh, good stuff being discussed. I have a lot of thoughts. Can you <laughs> wonder why I married a therapist? <laughs> I guess that does make sense now. Um, so Katie, what has your what has been your experiences with dating? 
I, so Allie is the only woman that I've ever dated and ever been intimate with. So I closed it down, <laughs> shut it down. And I met Allie 10 and a half years ago, I want to say. So I was 22. So up until then, um, I don't, I don't have an extensive dating history. I like how you were asking Allie about, you know, how far back does it go for her to kind of, how far back can she remember feeling different? Um, did she actively maybe pursue men to kind of be normal? And I, I was kind of thinking about my own experience and it was probably around junior high when the straight girls, uh, the popular girls were all starting to date. And that's when I realized not that I was gay, but I started forcing myself to find a boy to be into. And, you know, then like a boyfriend, girlfriend thing would come out of it. And I'd have an immense, like just so much anxiety and panic. And I'd be like, you got to tell him I'm breaking up with him. You know, like not even handholding stage. This is like seventh grade, eighth grade. And, um, yeah, it was, I guess somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought something was wrong with me. I didn't necessarily feel attracted to men or women or boys or girls, female or male. I just was kind of living my life. And now as I'm older, looking back, I definitely can identify, you know, a love that was there for a female friend. And I didn't know how to label it. I guess. And so it wasn't until high school I had my first, I had a few little like boyfriends here and there. And I was such a prude. Like I never wanted to be intimate ever. Um, so those ended. And then I had my first and only long-term relationship with a male in like my senior year, I guess, of high school. And even then, like I, I did love this person, absolutely love this person. Um, had that same feeling like, oh, this guy is like perfect. He's everyone, like my parents couldn't ask for anyone better. This is exactly who my parents want me to be with. But intimacy, I, I couldn't do it. I just, so um, after that, spent a lot of uh, nights partying and still hooking up with men. Um, but it was not genuine. And it was like, you do it because you think you have to, and that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then I met a girl from Finland and I consider her maybe one of my first like soulmates and not necessarily in the most romantic way, but meeting her flipped a switch for me automatically. I had never felt feelings like I had felt for this person, like wanting to be close to her and touch her and just like everything. And after that is when I started trying to date women and I met Allie and then the rest is history. I'm not finished, but close enough. <laughs> You're not. I liked how that was because I was thinking the same thing as like, oh, yeah, they yeah. met in Finland. Like there's no, something, yeah. but no, no it's, it's, that was no. not me. Yeah. She met her soulmate and that didn't work out. And so then she, she met, met me. She met out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said, she's one of my first soulmates. I think we have many <laughs> yeah. and she definitely served a purpose in my life. Um, and I only knew this girl for two days. Oh, so, wow. So yeah. We got to go find her. Yeah. I have her Instagram. Oh, <laughs> didn't know that information. <laughs> Thank you. 
put that in the back <laughs> of my memory. <laughs> Dating, what went wrong? Yeah. <laughs> marriage, marriage, what went wrong? <laughs> well, if you need any help, uh, your wife is the uh, marriage and uh, family therapist, so... Uh, it's a conflict could, of interest. Rob. It is, it is a conflict not of interest. Supposed to get therapy from each other. <laughs> Me giving her therapy drives us to couples therapy. That's true. <laughs> That's the main thing we talk about that, in couples therapy. It is was, the main thing. <laughs> that was one of my questions that I was going to write down, but I, I didn't. Uh, was that um, like, are there times when, when Katie, where you would be like, listen, which one of us is the marriage and family therapist? Like, who's got the authority on this particular question? A little bit. Um, and Allie, I just have to point out, is so great at everything. Um, it's gotten to the point where she has picked up on all my little tricks and therapeutic questions. And now she's a better therapist than I am. I hear her on the phone with our friends and the way she listens and gives advice. And I'm like, can't I have anything? One thing she can do it all. It's un. All of a sudden, she knows how to play tennis. That used to be my thing. <laughs> Katie, well, you can put the script down now. Thank you very much for saying all that. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe you're just a really good teacher, Katie. Maybe you just uh, really. That's true. Play. You are a good teacher. Okay. So, so there it is. Um, <laughs> okay. I have no comment. Okay. <laughs> you are Moving a fantastic on. therapist and she's breaking she's breaking the mold she just started a wonderful new job she's helping all kinds of people and there's no way i'd be able to do what you do honey thank oh, you i appreciate it yes you're welcome um going going back to what you were talking about about um you were saying how you kind of went through certain motions and then when you found someone like your your, your body just kind of like manifested what it wanted i th what i'm kind of hearing from this is that it sounds like we kind of do have to trust our bodies in a, in a sense. Like I'm not saying go out and, you know, be, be crazy. I mean, if that, maybe that's your thing, that's your thing. But like, you know, for, for like, as a more general rule is to trusting how those feelings are, are coming out. And if you're finding that you just really don't want to, to make out all the time, or you really don't want to like touch this person, like there, there may be, something to that it could be something with the relationship it could be something with the gender it could be something you know with the person who, who knows but it's something that should not be ignored i think you're touching on something really important because historically and i think this might be something i've kind of explored this with ali and other people um at least for our generation growing up i think and uh, we both went to Catholics. I went to Catholic school my whole life, Allie for high school, Rob, you too. Mm -hmm. um, but we are of a generation that whether it was said to us directly or not, we picked up on this message um, that homosexuality equals sexual abuse. So that you were molested, that you had a sexual trauma of some kind. And that's not the case and that stigma needs to be broken. And I think that that could play a lot of play into a lot of the fear that we felt um, that kept us from really being expressive and honest about our sexuality. And it really is like, I look back and I'm like, I can't do it. Like it, it, it was became awful. impossible. Yeah. Because the feelings don't go away. And you're right, Rob, you just, you have to listen to yourself and listen to your body and your feelings because eventually 
they take over your brain. What your brain is telling you is like, no, 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 I like this. This is what everyone else is saying that I should be doing. It's this, it's this, it's this. And your body and your intuition and every other sign that you that your mind, body, spirit has is pointing to, no, this is what you want. Your body, your, your head is lying to you right now. Your mind is playing tricks on you. And eventually those feelings just became so overwhelming that it felt so much better to just let it all be and let it all out. And, 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 you know, I've heard on my radio show and many other places just coming out stories and such an overwhelming sense of relief when that information is out there, just because you finally feel like you've gotten rid of the bottleneck. It's just all finally out in the open and you can just trust and believe in, in what you feel and just let it be there and let it be okay. Mm-hmm. It was um, something that I heard one time from from someone else, where you know they they provided a counter argument of like, well, if you allow that, like, what else are you going to allow? Like, are people allowed to you know have have sex with with goats and in these things? Yes, and, that's exactly what it is. It's and, adult diapers and then goats. Well, the the response to that that I also heard was that there's there's a difference between a goat and a consenting adult. <laughs> and when you have, you are smart. When you have two consenting adults that want to do a thing that's not, you know, the norm in society, that's a very different situation than someone that has like a fetish for rocks. You know, I just want to say, like, scientifically speaking, though, if you do, there's a lot of research and books out there that show within the animal kingdom. Um, other species, 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 species. Mm-hmm. other species, um, who, who do engage in same sex relationships or same sex sex and, um, or they're queer and they're bisexual. I use queer meaning like they're bisexual. They don't just, and there's animals. Not heterosexual. Correct. Yeah. I, they will sleep with whoever, not whatever, but whoever. And, you know, they're not discriminating based on on sex or gender. And well, genders are concept. I'm going down a hole. It's we tough. can cut this. We can cut this. <laughs> you know, this, my point this, is, is that <laughs> this exists not just within the human species. It exists in the animal kingdom. Same with monogamy and open relationships. So we can learn a lot by looking at other creatures in the world. Well, we are animals. We are. And and I think also the analogy of, oh, you're allowing yourself to be attracted of someone to someone of the same sex. The next thing is that you're going to have sex with an object or an animal or have some weird fetish, which goes back to the narrative of there's something being wrong. There's something being disgusting. There's something that's not right. There's something that's improper about those feelings in the first place mm-hmm. when yeah there are people who have fetishes out there that are straight there are people that have fetishes that are gay there are people who have fetishes that are queer it doesn't uh it's it's a very strange analogy to me to equate homosexuality with it being like some kind of a gateway thing to bestiality or other extremely off the wall like being <laughs> like wanting to have sex with rocks. <laughs> You're like, wow, really? That's the next, like, 
that being attracted to another human of the same sex is the same as that in your mind or is going to lead to that, it just reaffirms that that person already thinks that there's something horribly wrong with the fact that you're attracted to somebody of the same sex. I think that's a really great distinction with with that because it, it takes what I was saying to that next level of of going back to that normalcy argument of, of of where we're all at. And this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this podcast and not just this specific episode, but this entire podcast is because I think it's so easy in general for us to always, if it's different than what we think, to think, oh, that's weird. That's wrong. That's not right. And if everyone has these different ideas, then truly what is right? Truly what is normal? And so having these times where we could sit down and, and ask these questions and really air it all out, I think is, is that first step in figuring out like, you know, what truly is normal and is normal even important. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think you also bring up a good point about consent, right? Where mm -hmm. two humans, two adult humans of any sexual orientation or gender can consent to having a relationship to one another versus what the other analogy is, is another party that does not have the ability to consent to something. Could right. be a, an animal, could be a child. To, you know, there are situations where those romantic feelings are not reciprocated or are not able to be reciprocated, and that runs into problematic territory. Of course. Um, so yeah, I'd actually like to move into our stories of this thing, putting us back into the, um, the more specific dating side of this. And um, so I'm going to start by telling my story of how Ali and I, um, I, I put this in air quotes of dated. Uh, and you'll find out from the story of how that, how that happened. And then, and then we'll hear from Ali for her side of the story. So the way it started is this was the summer after my sophomore year of high school. So I was going into my junior year of high school and um, I was taking a musical theater summer school class with Allie and she was coming into the school. So she wasn't even officially a freshman. She was technically the summer after, after eighth grade. And so um, we were in the class and I had, I had heard a rumor that, that Allie might be interested in me. And, you know, I, I thought she was attractive, but I, I had no game. I had no game. I didn't know how to, to, to do anything with that. And so I, in my head, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take things slow. I'm going to, I'm going to start working up to, to asking her out. And so uh, the class, I think was only like a couple weeks, if I remember correctly. Um, so I was like, I don't have a lot of time. I got to like really get on this. So I'm going to start slow. And um, I think the, the first time I, I made a move, I, I went up to Allie and I said, hi. And then that was it. That was the end of that, that interaction. I thought that I had done enough work for the day. I, I, I shelved that, that whole process and then came back the next day with a, uh, how you doing? And then that was, that was it. Like everything was, was really going according to plan. I thought that I have, had really been nailing it on the, uh, on the, in the courtship. And, um, you know, we got toward the, the end of the class. It was actually the last day of class and um, we were doing our performances and Ali uh, she was doing her song and there was one person between us and then it would be my turn. So I was like waiting in the wings of the class, waiting to do my song. And uh, Allie finished her song and came back out. And I was like, all right, this is my opportunity. It's the last day of class. I got to 
I got I to gotta go for broke on this one. So I, uh, Allie comes back and, and I say to her, Allie, you did a great job. And in my head, I'm thinking, you Castanova, you nailed it. You are, you're really, you really, this is, this is going to work out great. And so I thought I, I had, I had really won. And then Allie, the next words out of Allie's mouth were, do you want to go out? <laughs> and this kind of broke my brain um, because I wasn't, I wasn't ready. This was, that was um, many months ahead in terms of my, my plan of asking her out. I, I wasn't quite ready for full entire sentences. It was more just phrases. Uh, so, um, I, I kind of stumbled there for a bit. I, I said that maybe we should be friends first. And then I think that she interpreted that as, as a rejection. And I tried to pull that back. I'm like, no, it's not a rejection. Like I, I, I am interested, but like, I just want to like take things slow, but like, maybe we should just, you know, get numbers or something like that first. So that was what we kind of settled on. I got her number and I didn't know what to do with that. Um, so I, I essentially just called her and told her about what she could do like to prepare for high school. It was like, oh, these are the, you know, the books that you may want to get. And, you know, here's, you know, where the cafeteria is. And let me tell you about school stuff. And uh, yeah, I just really didn't know what a boyfriend was supposed to do. And I was also in the process of the time of moving. So um, we were moving uh, far away at that time. So I was having a lot of, it really didn't have enough time to like actually see each other. And Allie was really busy at the time because she was in a play. And so what we decided on is that I was going to, we were going to see each other at, at, at her performance. And so she invites me to the performance and um, I, I show up and it was at that, after the performance that she said, Hey, I want you to, I want to introduce you to my friends. And then I went to go meet her friends and she said, Hey everyone, this is my boyfriend. And that was actually the first I had heard for her to that. I didn't know we were actually boyfriend and girlfriend. I thought that we were just, chatting on the phone. Um, but um, so I was a little shocked and confused uh, to get the official title, but I was, I was, uh, I was down. So that, that, that sealed the deal, I guess. And um, we proceeded to not uh, actually go on any dates. Uh, <laughs> we just kept everything over the phone. And, and at one point, Ali invited me to a party. And I don't remember what the details were from this party, but in my head, it was a makeout party. That, that the intention of the party was that we were going to go to this thing and we were going to make out. And I was a little nervous, but I was like, I'm gonna, we're going to do it. We're, we're official now. We're going to make this, make this happen. And then what ended up happening is I completely forgot about the party. The party came and went, and I just completely forgot to even mention it, to go, to do anything. And what? then, Yeah, I just forgot about it. And, and then I lied about it because I didn't want to admit that I totally forgot about the party. So then I said, hey, I, I was really busy with moving. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to make it to this Man, party. I don't remember that. You douche. <laughs> you stood me up. <laughs> so, um, you know, we ended up chatting on the phone more of like high school uh, prep stuff. And then when we got to uh, school... We had a hug upon meeting. It was a hug. And then um, I think less than a week later, Allie called me and said that, that her dad told me to call me to, to, to end it. That, you know, that you know, she was going to be busy with you know, the dance team and other things at school. And she wasn't going to have an opportunity to continue dating. And, um, and so she ended it. And, and I, 
I was I was hurt, um, but I was also confused, and I also um, uh, I found out. So I, I tried to see if I can win her back, but I found out that she actually started dating someone else from our musical theater class like the day after she broke up with me. So I was like pretty convinced that it wasn't because of the dance team that she broke up with me. <laughs> also, she, like she did not get into the dance team. Ultimately, she was just a tryout. So I was going to say, I never got into the dance team. I didn't get into it. So my first, when you didn't get into it, my first thought was, I'm going to win her back. And then I found <laughs> out that she was dating someone else from our class. So I was like, it's definitely me. And, and the only thing I can think of is, it's got to be that makeup party. I didn't go to the party. I didn't seal the deal. I didn't seal this, this moment where like we can cement our relationship. And so like for 10 years, I, I like at least 10 years, I held on to this idea that I ruined this. I like my, my failure as a, as a quote unquote boyfriend uh, ruined this potential relationship and it never got a chance to work out. And eventually uh, Ali and I were both in LA and I, I, I asked her out to coffee to sort of just, chat this all out and we i told her the whole story and do you remember what what your response was to that story ali something to the effect of i don't remember any of that that is correct ali did not remember any of that <laughs> ding 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 <laughs> and none of this mattered to ali like oh, like not in a not in a way that it, like it didn't matter like that it didn't matter at all but like it just it didn't register in her head the way it had to me. She didn't spend 10 years wondering about how she had ruined, you know, my relationship. So like that is something that was like very interesting is that this entire time I was looking for closure and what I did wrong. And the reality was, is she didn't even think about it. Like it wasn't even like on her mind that she was worried more about the fact that she was a lesbian. And that was a bigger part of her, of her mind than what I was going through. And so that, I thought that was uh, an interesting uh, reveal. And um, I would like to hear from, from Allie on, on her side of that same story. Well, first of all, and I don't think that I ever have done this, but I want to apologize for my behavior when I was 15 years old because <laughs> I, you know, as I said a little earlier, I wasn't really thinking too much. I was just kind of doing what I thought I should be doing. And my intention was never to, to hurt you mm. or to make you feel like you messed it all up mm. or anything like that. And for that, I'm sorry because I shouldn't have, have treated you that way. I treated men badly. Uh, I've, I've never cheated on a woman before. I've cheated on a man before because I honestly respected my, my relationships with women, women more. They, they meant more to me because it's like they counted. Yes. And, and the, when, so I'll explain kind of where I was coming from and what I mm -hmm. remember. I will also preface this by saying in college, I smoked a lot of weed. So I think that <laughs> also fuzzed up memories in general for me. So I, I had graduated eighth grade. I had had one boyfriend by then. And the whole, and I love that. Do you want to go out? That was always the terminology. Do you want to go out? And then if you said yes, like that was it. You guys were going out in, at least in my 
junior high experience. That's what it was, was that you said, do you want to go out? And the person said, yes, you were then boyfriend and girlfriend. So as soon as I got into that musical theater class, I was on the hunt for a boyfriend because I need up in my mind, I needed to have a boyfriend going into high school. It was part of my subconscious plan to maintain a normal image. I needed to always have, and that's probably why I dated somebody immediately after you, because I felt like I always had to be latched onto some boyfriend to appear like everything was great Hmm. and everything was normal and everything was fine. So, and I, I say subconscious because I don't even, I did not realize that that what I was, that's what I was doing. But as soon as I got into that musical theater class, I did a scan and I saw you and I was like, okay, he's really cute. He's nice. He's smart because he's got glasses on. <laughs> he's got a colored shirt. Like you, like you checked boxes for me that I was like, that guy's going to be a good, like he'll be a good boyfriend. So I zeroed in on you right from the beginning. And, and I also liked that you were older. I was like, and he's older because he's like going to be a junior. So that's cool. So he's, he's cute and he's nice and he's talented because he, you know, you played instruments and you were a musical theater guy and you were smart and, and older. It, it had the whole package to me. So I was already zeroing in. I don't know if maybe I told somebody else in the class that and that's how it got to you. I assume that's probably what happened. So it's probably planting my little seeds. Hmm. And then when you went up to, and, and you had said the hey and hi and how are you? And I was like, okay, I think that he feels the same. Or so at least he's really gotten the memo. <laughs> well, I knew that at least you had an eye on me as well. Mm. So I was like, okay, there's interest. It wasn't like you were completely ignoring me. You were right. making an effort to talk to me. So then I had in my mind like, okay, great. So the next step is that we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. That's what's happening next. So when you came up to me and talked to me, I was like all business. Yeah. And you, and you said something like, great job. And I was like, do you want to go out? And I don't even know. I don't even remember you saying I just want to be <laughs> friends. I think that I just let that go by. And I was like, cool, we're going out. And <laughs> moved on. And, and I knew that you had just moved to Tracy, which was a far commute from where, we, where Actually, I live. a town called Salida. Oh, okay. But it was far. It was like two hour commute. And so I was like, oh, man, I didn't know that before. That's going to be really tough for us to see each other on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were talking to each other on the phone. And I remember thinking like, this guy's really, really nice. And I'm having good conversations with him. And the, the guy that I had dated in eighth grade was more like, forward about like spending time together and like the first kiss and all that stuff. And you weren't really like that. Right. And I, I wonder how our relationship, if it would have lasted longer, if we had gone to that party together or if we had, if we had more intimate moments or whatever, I have no idea. But I remember thinking you felt distant Mm -hmm. physically. I was like, I don't know when I'm going to see this guy I don't like I, I have phone conversations with him. He's giving me a great high school orientation, <laughs> which is what boyfriends do. If yeah. you didn't know. Yeah. And so. But I was like, I've got a boyfriend, so it's cool. I got a boyfriend. Everything's fine. And there wasn't even a moment where I was like, oh, I'm happy that this is distant. I don't I didn't really think either way mm. about it, but. I think I had decided that 
I wanted to. So I'm wondering like why I decided to break up with you. That's what I'm trying to put together in my mind because maybe I was like my, my memory tells me that it was because you lived so far away. Mm. And I was like, well, I don't think we're really going to be able to see each other that often. He has to drive home and it takes him like two hours to drive home. Mm. Maybe, maybe the party had something to do with it. You know, when I thought you were going to go to the party, you couldn't go. And then, you know, it's just all seemed very distant. So I was like, I don't know if this is really going to work. And I assume then at that point, I was already scanning for a replacement boyfriend because that's how my stupid 15-year-old mind was working at that time. So I probably zeroed in on the next person that I was like, oh, and it was this guy named Nate who ended up being a total douchebag who cheated on me. But anyway, I probably, this is what I think, I, I probably decided, okay, I, I think I want to date him now. And I think maybe we had a couple classes together or something like that. There was like, okay, we're to get we're in each other's presence more, right? And he was in the same grade as me. So I was like, I think that this would just be a better fit. <laughs> Again, all just very transactional. <laughs> yeah. So then I find it so funny that I threw my dad under the bus and called so you and said that he wasn't my, my dad no. <laughs> I thought he was the key. I was like, I, I got to talk to the dad and figure out what's going on here. No, you know, the only thing that I could think of is I maybe had told him that I wanted to break up and then he probably told me, well, you have to tell him that. You probably have to call him and tell him that. that but I don't know. I don't remember. Hmm. I could have just said that out of my ass and that was never a conversation. Um, I also didn't remember giving an excuse of dance team because that was total bullshit. Yeah. But I don't recall us interacting that much at through the rest of high school. And mm-hmm. then you graduated and uh, you know, Nate, Nate ended up being a jerk. And then I dated Sean, which was who I was dating when I fell for my, my female best friend. So that was the, the extent of my heterosexual relationships in high school. And now looking back, I feel really terrible because I think that when I got into high school, all I wanted was to have that image of having a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And, and because you were so nice and because I, I just thought that you were a great person, I took advantage of that and decided he's going to be the one that I'm with. And then mm-hmm. when it didn't meet up to what my vision was, I broke up with you and left you feeling completely confused when I was probably just as confused subconsciously (laughs) because I didn't really know. But when it came to guys, I was always aggressive because I didn't care. Right. I would just be like, hey, do you want to go out? Hey, we're doing this. Hey, like even with Sean, I was like, that's the guy I'm dating next. He was like kind of nerdy, but I thought he had potential. I like (laughs) the time we stopped dating, he had like frosted tips and all these girls were into it. It was like I had this weird plan with the guys that I dated. It was strange. But I I didn't have any fear around it because I did not care if I got rejected. So confidence is, is is very helpful and useful and sexy. So. Well, I mean, I don't know that I had the same. I guess I have confidence with women too, but I there was a lot more like, oh, did I say the right thing? Did I this, did I that? And with guys, I never remembered any of that because it didn't necessarily, 
it wasn't necessarily something I thought about often. Of like, what should I say and what should I do? It was just like, this is what's happening. And so that's kind of my side of it. So then when we went out to lunch or whatever, when, we, when I had moved down to LA, we had lunch and you brought it up. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we dated. What was that about? And then to know that it meant so much to you and that you had been thinking about it for that long, it just goes to show how, how different two experiences of this, two, two personal accounts of the same things can be because I just thought of it so differently from my own self. Yeah. And then um, now looking back, I'm like, man, that, that was probably really shitty for you. But at the same time, I mean, I, 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 should, I should clarify that I, I have no, like, ill will. Like, there's no, like, you should not you feel don't. guilty. Like, I, if, if there's any, like, the only reason why I don't feel that I need to forgive you is because I don't think there's any reason to forgive you. If you need that, then you are 100% forgiven. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't hold any grudges whatsoever. The only reason I even bring it up and talk about it is because I think it's such a great example of a situation that there never was going to be like neither one of us were ever going to get truly what we wanted. Like it was always, it was always yeah. going to lead to where it led, but it's, it's so weird that our perspectives and where we are, like we could totally be on completely different pages and that could be the big problem with the relationship and have nothing to do with the actual relationship itself. And so right. um, based on this, I, I'm actually curious what Katie has to think, what she has to say about all this. She's shaking her head already. <laughs> I just think so much. Um, I think it's, well, I was just listening to Allie and I was cringing a little bit because um, it seemed so easy for you. Like it goes back to that image that, that you thought and that I thought we had to create and maintain. Um, but you followed through with it, like with such ease, it sounds like, you know, I'm not hearing any like, disgust, you know, in your, not that you would hear it in your voice, but I'm not feeling it in my body. Like I'm not looking at you and I'm not seeing you react the way I do when I think about like almost needing to force myself into a situation. You, it seems like you were just like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm going to do it. I'm like all in you know, and maybe that, that has to say something about your profession too, and your ability to play roles. Um, and it says something about my profession and how I got to be a therapist because of the impact that playing a role had on me. And I, I don't play roles very well. And, um, I think it's interesting that the person who had nothing invested in this, like, I guess that does make sense, but I was just, what was, what I was taking from this is like Rob had such investment yet was so distant from the relationship and Allie had, you know, hardly any investment and not just with you, Rob, with other guys, but she was like all in, like thinking about like physical distance and intimacy and how often am I seen with this person? And, you know, it, it, she was trying so hard to make something happen that she actually didn't want. And you, on the other hand, you you didn't really know how to be aggressive to get what you want. And that might just speak to both of your personalities, hmm. honestly. Yeah, that's such a great point because it's well, the way you tell your story, Rob, like I can't believe you forgot about that party. Like yeah. it took you 
days to figure out a trajectory of hi, how are you doing? You did a great job. And you over, and you probably thought and overthought and thought and thought and thought about when to say those things and how to say those things. And then, okay, now we are dating. This is going great. And then to be invited to a party and forget about the party. Yeah. Is just such an interesting plot twist of. Yeah, I don't know where you know, my head it, was it at. All, yeah, like the relationship meant a lot to you and you wanted it to work out. Then why? <laughs> so maybe it, you forget. Maybe it didn't mean that much to you, Rob. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know that at the time I was very terrified of it because I didn't know what I was supposed to be. And I think that when Allie introduced me as her boyfriend, that, that kind of changed things a lot. Because I think especially, and especially around that time, my mentality of, 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 of dating was like, we're testing marriage. Like, like dating leads to marriage. And I think this, this fear of like, what does this all mean? I think was very overwhelming for me at that age. Um, and I just wasn't, I didn't, I, I barely knew Allie, you know, from, you know, aside from me telling her about high school, there really wasn't much <laughs> that we really knew about each other. And that and says so, a lot for like consensual relationships, even, you know, yeah. I know the word consensual is very heavy and, um, but you were older and Allie was like, I get Allie's mentality too, of just like, mm -hmm. this is her culture that she's coming from, which is, do you want to go out? Now you're my boyfriend. Like that's a very junior high thing. Yeah. And you're going into your third year of high school. That's a big difference in yeah. development um, and in experience. And, and you, are, you weren't the type of person to really be able to like, it sounds like you weren't really... Um, like standing like strong in your shoes and, and you didn't have really a grasp on how to communicate what your true needs were. So you were Not just like, okay, I guess I go with it. I guess yeah. I go with it. And really you're, you're confused and you're like, do I even want to like the way you're talking is how I felt when I was supposed to be someone's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, bye. I, yeah. someone break up with this person for me because I don't, I don't want to hold your hand. I don't want to hug you you know, but you're like supposed to be into it. I don't know. Yeah. I was absolutely terrified. Like I didn't know what to do. Like in my head, I was like, should I, should I end the relationship now? Like it, before it even started, I was like, maybe I should preemptively end it just because I don't know what I'm doing. And then my thought was, well, do you have anything better? <laughs> like what's, what's going to happen if you end it, you know, you're going to be more miserable without it. And then I was like, well, well, should I stay? Should I go? Like, and so I just, I didn't really know how to even proceed. So I just decided, do nothing, let it play out. And that, that you know, it, it's not really a very uh, confident or, or good mentality. You should take a side on something. But that, that, was, uh, that was how I approached it. Yeah, I think that because you were so terrified or because you were not sure where it was going or where you wanted it to go, it, maybe it was perceived by me to be disinterest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, he doesn't really have that much invested in this either. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just go our separate ways and I'll move on. Right. So all of the other men that I dated were very clear about what they wanted <laughs> and very not aggressive, but it was like, cool, we're dating. When are we going to make out? Mm -hmm. Which bases are we going to? When are we going to those bases? I got, you know, it was like they had goals, like yeah. physical goals. Um, and I think it's a testament to you as a person because 
it wasn't necessarily about those things. It was Mm -hmm. about companionship. And of all the guys that I dated, you were probably the least aggressive when it came to being physical or wanting to be physical. Mm -hmm. Um, And that felt very safe for me, but also very like, okay, if I break up with him, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Interesting way to look at that. Um, But actually, so I want to share another layer of where my mind was at from from this from this relationship so another reason why this was so significant to me and why i couldn't just like put it out of my mind is because you were not the first allison johnson that i had been interested in so back when i was in um junior high i um i was i was playing the trombone which i still played throughout uh high school and college but uh i had just started playing the trombone and um I would always take the bus um, home from school. And um, I was there at the bus stop and I met this, this beautiful girl that went, went to my school. And she was one of the first people to start a conversation with me that was not completely turned off by me having a trombone in front of me, which a lot of, I got the impression that it wasn't really the, the cool instrument from a lot of the women I talked to. I thought it was kind of cool. No, <laughs> that was why we quote unquote dated. Yeah. Um, but anyway, plus column for me, Rob. <laughs> drums are the coolest. Drums are cool. <laughs> well, yeah, I, they, um, the reason why I didn't take the drums is because uh, I didn't want to spend $4,000 on a drum kit. So that was really what it came Yeah, but like, is it wasn't inquire. It was just like one dude back there with a giant drum. That, I mean, that would have been fun. I also am really bad with, with rhythm and things like that. So, uh, well, it, that would make sense. Yeah. It really didn't really work out. But, um, but anyway, so, uh, I, I would have these conversations with her and it was always like really good. It was such easy, natural conversation. And like, I was funning and charming with her. Like it was just such a great thing. And, um, uh, she, she one day invited like she her her bus stop was uh was near a McDonald's and she one day invited me to join her at McDonald's and this is eighth grade like we took the bus you know and and this is this is not a time when then that's that's light that's that's a very big thing if someone invites you to McDonald's like you might as well just slap on that wedding ring like you are yeah, you're in and I was so terrified by that. I was, this is honestly where my thought was. My thought was, I do not deserve this incredible, beautiful woman. And this is a trick. There was the only explanation for why she'd want to be alone with me in a McDonald's is because there is someone at the McDonald's that she is working with that is going to kill me. That is the only reason why she's doing this. And so my, you know, a fight or flight, kicked in and I decided to flight and I let her know that I had a lot of homework to do and I needed to get home right away. And huh. then I proceeded to not talk to her pretty much ever again. Um, I kind of avoided her for the most part. Uh, and then I remember like at the end of school, I, I remember there was a moment when she was literally holding up her yearbook saying, is there anyone in this class that has that have not yet signed their yearbook? And I remember thinking, now's my chance to get her number or something. And I just, I just froze. I didn't do anything. I just let it all pass. So then I wonder where that, where that fear comes from, because that seems to be 
a common, I don't know, is that something that you still feel? Because it seems that it's that feeling of when you want something so bad, when you feel like it's coming, you, you don't know what to do. You're so, and then you think to yourself, is it going to go the way that I think it's going to go? Hmm. This can't actually be happening. It's a, if it's this a is actually of, happening, what does that mean? And, and is that just because you don't feel that you deserve it because you yeah. don't have enough confidence or respect it's or love for yourself to write, to know that when that happens, if it happens, it actually, it absolutely should be happening because that's what you deserve because exactly. you're a good person. And, Told and you I she's become a therapist. <laughs> I struggled with that. And, and I think even, even to this day, it, it, it can be challenging because, you know, I was, I was raised to be a humble person. And so whenever I achieve something, the desire is to, to not talk about it, to not share that. And, you know, it's hard to feel that you deserve something because, you know, what does that even mean? Like without, without not being humble, how do you hold the humble, the humility while still accepting the praise? Um, So I think, mm -hmm. but I, if you, somebody else then went to McDonald's with Allison Johnson, maybe, you know, because you didn't, because you wanted to be humble or you wanted to, or you were afraid at something actually happening or for whatever the reason is that you said, no, that just means that some other douche got to have like, not douche. I don't know if he was, but I'm saying that if it's not you, then who? Right. That's and a good why, point. why, why wouldn't it just be you? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen for somebody. It might as well be you. Right. Uh, I wasn't there then. That was definitely not where I was at. But when, when I met you, Allie, um, my, my thought that went through my head is this is my redemption. This has to work because this is the universe telling me this is your <laughs> This is your there are chance. There more Johnsons out yeah. there to be had. <laughs> yeah. Third time's a charm, right? Yeah. So um, you ran into a third one? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. That's, I'll go that's, to my Rolodex. That's going to be the one. Um, but uh, when it didn't work out, it went back to that feeling that I don't deserve. And that was, it, it became even more intense because it was this idea of, of I screw up relationships. I don't deserve to be happy. And this is why I don't think an apology is necessary from you because I walked into our quote unquote relationship with so much baggage of what it needed to be that I feel that it blows, completely blows away your, you know, your expectations, your checklist, because I walked into this, like this history. And I think the part of the reason why I was afraid is because I basically brought marriage into our very first meeting. That like, this is where we're going to end up because I had this history. And I think that's ultimately what, what was also terrifying to me too, is, is bringing all that in there right in the beginning. I think something that's really interesting is there's a theme amongst all three of us, despite how different our actions have been, um, the motivation behind them all kind of stems from this belief that there's something innately wrong with us, Mm. that we are we are a certain way. Um, and that certain way is bad, right? You know, and it's, I say innate as if we're born with something wrong with us, but also at a young age, if we're receiving messages that are impacting our self-worth, I consider that to be innate as well. You know, you can't really even tell the difference at a young age. You do think you're born being weird or strange or different or bad, Mm-hmm. Um, so despite how different, you know, we, we identify different, um, 
on a different spectrum sec- with our sexuality. We're taking different actions in the relationships that we had, and they all stem from the same motivation. And just to be clear, you're saying innate, not a Nate. Innate. Think, okay. For me, it was innate. It was innate. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just two weirdos who came together. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and now we're coming together again. You, you could even argue that maybe that is what drew us together is that, that yeah. sort of fear. <laughs> well, and feeling a bit and feeling different as Katie's saying, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I dated Nate afterwards, he was very much like typical popular or not. I don't think he was popular, but he was like <laughs> one of those guys who was just Burn. like the typical dude, you know, mm-hmm. and you were different mm-hmm. and I was different. And yeah. I think that drew me to you because you weren't like all the other guys. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing. Rob, did you keep tabs on Allie for the rest the other, of high school? Oh, oh, this Allie. Um, yeah. I, it was kind of more distant. Like I, I was, like, cause I, so I didn't know that she was gay until many years after high school. And so there was always that part of me that thought, well, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe things could, could turn around, you know? Um, but I, you know, I knew it was done she had already made it done. Like I wasn't going to like, you know, follow her around school and be like, what about now? What about now? What about now? So it was just sort of like one of those things where it's like knowing that she was there, you know, like I always wanted, like, it's like, Oh, that's, that's cool that she was there. But then I always knew she had boyfriends anyway. So it wasn't like there was any opportunity there, but you know, I think that had she been single for a significant amount of time, I think there would have been a part of me that would have been like, well, maybe she needs to know about this cool thing that I'm doing or, you know, I'll, maybe I'll make sure that she comes to the play that I'm in. So, you know, I, I think that that may have transpired, but there, there just, there never was that uh, intersection there. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we are friends now and that we work together. Um, and I know so much more about you now than I did then, but I, I, like to have conversations with you now just as I did then because I mm-hmm. I know that I think there's still fears that you have but I also think that even you doing this podcast you're you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you're mm-hmm. allowing yourself to process some of these things and to really ask questions and I think that that's great and that could be really empowering for you mm-hmm. yeah that was, I was sort of like one of those things with doing this was I knew it was going to bring up, like, you, you can't just throw it out and not take it. You know what I mean? It's going to come back to me. And, and that was definitely something that I was afraid of, but I, I knew, well, let me, let me explain it to you in, in this way. And this actually goes right back to what Katie was saying about there's something wrong. Like you feel like there's something wrong with you is that, um, this is going to sound, this is going to sound like a joke, but I, I, I truly was bothered by this. And that was, um, I didn't think I wiped my ass the, the right way um, when, after, a, after a number two. Uh, <laughs> All right. This conversation just really took a turn. I'm right. I'm really here with you. Okay. Thank you. Um, and I, I, I carried this with me as I would, um, and maybe, I mean, maybe you debate this, but 
I would stand up to, to get a good wipe in. And I, I was convinced that I was 100% broken. That, and, and I took it to the level of, I do not know how I will tell my children how to wipe their ass. Wow. And because of that, should I have children? Am I going to be a husband, a father, the kind of person that someone would want because I don't know how to wipe my ass? And, and I carried this like, for, for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until like college when I was sitting there with my roommates and I was just like truly just broken inside. And I finally told him, I was like, guys, I'm truly f- afraid of how I wipe my ass. <laughs> and, and I brought this up to them. And then we had this whole debate about like, yeah, you got to stand up. That's how you get the good angle. Uh-huh. And then someone else was like, yeah, but you kind of got to like bend a little bit so that it doesn't, you know, like clench the cheeks, you know, and you can get in there. And someone's like, oh, you guys, you guys stand up. I usually sit down. I was like, but how do you know what you're doing? You're not being able to, you can't see what you're doing. It's like, oh, you want to see what you're doing? That's really gross. And it just had this conversation where we all realized that we were not that far off, that we were actually way more on the same page than we thought we were. And we all had this idea of like, yeah, this is weird. Or like, we thought this was weird, but maybe it's not as weird as we thought it was. And so it, what, it, what it made me realize is that if I have a fear, I need to bring it up. I need mm-hmm. to talk about it because it's entirely possible that I may not be broken. And even if I am, having the conversation will help me get the help that I need. 100%. (laughs) That's amazing. That is, uh, that's anxiety is just like all this fear that we keep inside. And, you know, you're talking about being told to be humble and it sounds like that message to you somehow also told you don't talk. Yeah. Mm. Don't share anything of your your power or Mm. your potential. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't share anything. Don't share your achievements. Don't share your fears. And Mm -hmm. it turns, yeah. I mean, this is why it's so great that you two got together and got to talk. And I mean, it took so long, but now you have answers to something that was bothering you for so many years or just in the back of your mind for so many years. Yeah. So um, are there any, like, what are the kind of takeaways from this? Like, I guess what what I'm ultimately trying to get at is that, uh, so I get a pass on this one in terms of like, like I, I didn't ruin a relationship with you, Allie, because, you know, you, you were- There was nothing you know, to ruin. Yeah, there's nothing to ruin. But I, I could have. I could have ruined it or it could have been great. Like we really don't know. And so I guess the question that, that I have is that um, how do you know when a relationship ends, if the reasons that a person gives you are accurate or like how much weight do you put into those reasons? Does that make sense? Well, I, I would imagine that at our age, you really can't, that at, at our age at the time, mm-hmm. that nothing is like really what it is. <laughs> right. um, you know, just because we're young and right. we're stupid and we're just saying whatever to get out of the situation because we don't have the maturity to handle something head on. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I was in college, I remember dating a girl. We went on like two dates. It was not working out. I was like, this is, I just don't connect with this person. She was like silent. She never spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just were not hitting it off, but she kept wanting to 
go on more dates. And I was like, I got to just be honest with this girl. And I got to just tell her I don't, I'm not feeling this. Like I'm just not feeling it. And it was, and she was really sad. She was really upset, but I was glad that I gave her the truth Mm -hmm. because I would have rather just told her to her face. I'm just not feeling this. I don't feel the same connection. I'm sorry. I, I, I think we should just be friends. Mm -hmm. That was probably hard for her to hear, but at least she didn't spend years wondering, Oh, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Right. And then on the flip side, I had a couple of relationships or almost relationships in college where I just got totally ghosted and I never knew what happened. And I, I, everything was going great in my mind. We were spending like every second together, like two weeks and then nothing, no phone call, no text, no nothing. Mm-hmm. I even saw her on campus, like completely ignored me. So I'm like, have no idea what happened there. And that sucks. Yeah. People need to grow the fuck up. Yeah. So I guess, uh, but my question with this is, um, how do you know when the person is telling you something that is true or if they're just trying to, get out of the responsibility. I mean, I think it's just going to intuition thing, but I don't know. Like, I don't know how, you know, I, I think that you're a person that takes people at their word. Yeah. What are you like? What? Go ahead, honey. The answer is ask clarifying questions. Mm. Rob, I think that's something you would be great at. I don't think that's for everybody and people will just suffer in silence and, it is intuition as well, like Ali's saying. I don't know that everyone understands what intuition is or believes that they have it, um, but I want to recommend for anyone who's like sitting there just spinning the wheels in their head, asking what happened, wondering if it's them, mm-hmm. um, ask because something's not sitting well with that person, you know, mm-hmm. and um, have some like be insightful, have gained some insight into yourself too by asking or by admitting the role you played in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I, would I also, think it go, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, you go ahead. I was just going to say, it goes back to that. What happens when we don't talk? What happens mm-hmm. when we keep everything in? We just get more anxious and we have more fear and develop beliefs that aren't really true. And those beliefs typically do not serve us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to bring up was something that that we actually had talked about before this podcast, which is that it it also has to do with uh, the perspective of the person that's that's saying something. So if if a person tells you like their basically note on your relationship, this is based on their point of view and may not be something that you need to work on. It may just be what they need in a relationship, but they want you to work on it. And so that could be the reason why they've ended the relationship, but it may not be an issue for someone else. And so I was thinking that, that maybe in addition to asking these clarifying questions, that you have to just be okay with who you are and, yeah. and, you know. And think about why you need to know so badly, right? right? Like, why did I need to know that that girl, what went wrong with that girl? Right. And why did you need to know if my answer was real or not? Mm-hmm. And I think that everyone deserves to know the truth. Sure. But if you're not getting the truth and you've already asked clarifying questions and you're not getting the answers you need or you do get the answer and you don't like the answer, what do you do with that? All mm-hmm. you can do is is 
your best, right? right? And being your honest, true self and. And know that you're not broken. Right. I think that's the the problem. Yeah. I think that that is that kind of the big takeaway for me for this entire thing is that if if you can going back to to Allie and myself, um, no matter what Allie had said, even if she said, you are the most perfect person ever, but I, but I'm gay. Or if she'd said, you're the worst person ever, it, it, it still would have been the same result. And I still would have always wondered if I'm the problem, if I'm the broken one. And I, and I think that that, no matter what happens in a breakup, whether it's your fault, the other person's fault, or no one's fault, you have to self-analyze and, be, and really be okay with the fact that I'm not broken. I'm not a broken person. There are things that I can totally work on, but that doesn't mean that I'm broken. Mm-mm. Very true. 100%. It wasn't you or me. Yeah. So are there any, any closing thoughts that you guys have for, for this? I think the, the takeaway is you're not broken. I think that's mm-hmm. such a great message to take away and kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, yeah, I don't know that I really have anything to add. I think that was a nice. It came around very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had no idea that it would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it did. Um, I guess as we wrap up, I, I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about anything that, that you would like to plug or, or, or share anything on social media or anything like that. That's all Allie. I've got <laughs> nothing. I've got Katie's nothing gonna... but therapy in two minutes. So yeah. Oh, yeah. it is therapy in two minutes. Um, well, why don't we say goodbye to Katie then? Well, we'll say goodbye to Katie. Katie, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. Um, I guess the only thing I'd like to plug is Butch Pal, which is exciting. Um, Butch Pal for the Straight Gal is, uh, our little baby. It's a narrative comedy about what the first all-female makeover show would be like. And we have a pilot that we have submitted to a bunch of festivals we're waiting to hear from. Of course, festival season got very different in (laughs) COVID-19, but we did a digital premiere earlier this year, which went great. And I would encourage everyone to follow at Butch Pal Series to find out more. I've also got a daily radio show called Drop the Subject, which is on from 10 to 2 weekdays on the new channel Q and you can follow the radio station at we are channel Q and you can hear me from 10 to two weekdays. Um, if you go to the, we are channel Q, you can always find out like how to listen in your area. Cause we're in on in 35 different markets. That's awesome. I feel like yeah. you've, you've said this all before like this. Uh... Uh, yeah, I've said it a lot. <laughs> and then people go, how do I listen? And I'm like, where do you live? Okay. Now uh... we get, yeah. Okay. So the frequency in Palm Springs is one of one. Or okay, you can do HD radio or radio.com is also yeah. a great way. And it, it's a pod, it's actually a daily podcast as well. So if you if you're a podcast person, you can also that's the other thing about being in radio is people are like, is that a podcast? And you're like, no. <laughs> uh, but so it is different, but it is we cover, you know, current events and we cover politics and we cover satire and comedy, all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allie, for, for this whole thing and giving me your time and your insights and, and going thank through you. this whole journey. Yeah, so. I know. It's been really cool to kind of break it down piece by piece. I think when we started, I was like, I don't know. I feel like I don't remember much. Like, <laughs> we're gonna, uh, but it was cool to, it was really cool to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it. And I hope it was helpful for you. I, I think it was helpful for me too. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we'll see you later. 
Yeah. I'll see you. I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. So after I recorded this, I listened to it and had another takeaway. This episode had a lot more of me talking, which forced me to hear myself and therefore judge myself. And I know I was nervous in this situation, but I wanted my performance to be better. And this was my realization. My first reaction was to want to dive in and edit the crap out of this to make me sound better. Put on the audio version of an Instagram filter. But the reality is, I'm not going to have that option on a date. And for better or worse, the way I sounded on the podcast is how I really do sound. So I chose to accept it for what it is. And that took a lot of weight off my shoulders. Of course, a lot of that weight was also the amount of work I would have had to do to edit it because editing is really a lot of work. And that most certainly was a reason I chose to be brave and leave it alone. So it's done. And now the journey is just about getting better. It's going to be an awkward journey. If that sounds fun to you, join me as we dive deeper into dating what went wrong. Till then, good night.